Hello and welcome to this week's episode of the Tiger Shulman Smithtown Podcast. I'm Sensei James Leonelli, owner and head instructor of Tiger Shulman's in Smithtown, New York. I am joined today by a very special guest, uh, voted Coach of the Year in 2013 and 14 by World Martial Arts, uh, the World Martial Arts Awards, excuse me, uh, as well as the owner of the second fastest knockout in UF his- UFC history, Dwayne Bang Ludwig. Thanks for having me, sir. Thank you for doing this. This is incredible. <laughs> the mobile podcast. Exactly. Hey, <laughs> I came out to visit some family. Uh, you were 15 minutes from their house, and a couple of tweets later, here we are. Perfect. You have a spectacular competition resume. Just looking through, there's a who's who of uh, of lightweight lighter weight fighters on your resume. Mm. Jens Pulver, BJ Penn, John Wayne Parr, the legend Ramon Deckers, mm. uh, and actually my favorite performance of yours was Genki Sudo. Oh, that was a fun one. Yeah, that was a fun one. <laughs> that that was where I I, I really uh, became a big time fan. Loved to watch you fight after Thank you, that. Sir. And uh, you've now, I mean, though you were so successful as a competitor. What I think has even exceeded it is now your coaching career. Mm. Uh, obviously, the train, the head trainer of uh, former U- UFC bantamweight champion TJ Dillashaw, mm-hmm. as well as flyweight contender Joe Benavides, mm-hmm. uh, the coach for Team Alpha Male for quite a while. Mm-hmm. Just a spectacular coaching. Thank you, sir. Now, both of the of the biggest two stars, and really all of the guys that you trained, they all strike much differently even than you did mm-hmm. when you originally yeah. started striking. Mm-hmm. So what made you say that I've got to change things about even what I do to make a difference with my fighters? Oh, that's just easy in general to have the understanding to extract one's potential and not make them carbon copies of yourself, So, which can't really be done anyway. So it's much easier to highlight their skill set and just expand off of that. It's, it's actually, I think coaching is pretty easy. It comes to me very very easy just to say, oh, you're good at that? Well, do more of that. And mm-hmm. you're not so good at that, so let's work some more of that. So I feel coaching in general is pretty easy. Uh, and again, I, I don't know if I could make anybody perform how I performed, but uh, again, extracting their potential has been a pretty smooth process, pretty smooth sailing. Just not going off the carbon copy of a, of a curriculum, but making sure you're using the curriculum as a springboard to, again, extract their skill set. It's wonderful. I mean, even watching some highlights of you training with Coach Trevor Whitman mm. a couple of nights ago on social media, even now to see your skill set adapted and uh, integrating the, the fantastic movement that your, that your protégés all show, it's awesome to see things evolve. So what drew you into coaching after your competition career? Well, I've been uh, coaching since I was 18, anyway, so I was always helping people out. There weren't really that many people here in Colorado at the time when I was training, so I had to help coach people up so I could have people to train with anyway, so it was just a natural progression to do, and I just continued the uh, the process. And with the way Sensei Boss Rutten would teach me, he gave me the formula of the number system, so one is the jab, two is the jab cross, three is jab cross hook, and so on, so I just expanded off of that, and with that easy blueprint, I was able to help other people you know, build them up so that we could, again, train together and then have a little bit of play time and hopefully learn to grow from one another. But uh, because of Sensei Boss Rutan and his number system and his philosophies and understanding really helped me grow as a martial artist and an instructor to become what I am today, a sensei. So it's been a, it's been a journey, it's been fun, and continuing the, the path now with people who don't really compete in the UFC but who are just trying to do better with their lives on the common common play field of like a civilian to help teach them martial arts and self-defense in general. Absolutely. I did want to touch on your school a little bit more yeah. a little later on, but uh, you brought him up. Always. And, and Always we, jumping around. Exactly. We, we can't go by not talking about the legend Sensei Basrutin 
He is the man. Indeed. First Indeed. off, if you have never put that man's name in YouTube, you are missing out. Yeah, he's hilarious. <laughs> he, not only is he hilarious, but just some of his striking highlights. The, I believe it was him versus TK. Mm -hmm. It's the big highlight that you hear um, Mike Goldberg, uh, combinations, uppercuts, mm -hmm. as he's finishing him against the cage. It's one of the highlights that uh, even years ago first made me a huge fan of the UFC. And, you know, uh, here's an interesting parallel. At Tiger Shulman's our uh, base and what Tiger Shulman himself started in was Kyoko Shinkai, mm. the same as Bas mm -hmm. Rutten. Yep. Like Tiger Shulman was the Mas Oyama champion from 1979 to 1984. Huh, nice, good. Yeah. So Shulman's is, uh, it was karate it's based off of? That's where we started okay. in Kyoko Shinkai as well. Kyoko Shinkai karate, hey. Yes, okay. so uh, interesting, interesting connection yep. there as well. So. Obviously, he gave you the great tools in terms of the skill set, the number system that you mentioned. Aside from that, what else did you take from him, maybe in the mental aspects oh, of martial arts? Yeah, the mental aspects. He definitely taught me how to think and how to set things up, how to be, have the mindset of a champion, how to believe in myself. Uh, if you've been around him or you've seen his videos, you can just tell that he's intense and he believes and when he says something that he actually means it so he's he's true he, he's a he's the warrior in the garden because obviously he could kill most humans have ever walked to earth but he's just the sweetheart of a guy too and when i came across that i was really blown away to see someone who was at that skill set level but to be so nice to everybody i remember we were training after one of the training sessions here in colorado and i was a kid at the time 18 19 and my car wouldn't start and he came out and he seen me through the window and he came out and he's like, help me fix my car to get the car running again. I was like, wow, like that was really cool. That's something that like, was special to me to help get my car running again. So that was a, a good example of someone who's always going to help out and give back and uplift and inspire. And again, he's he's been someone I've idolized myself to try to become, again, a warrior in the garden. So uh, without him, I wouldn't be where I'm at today. Yeah, absolutely. I think every martial artist who finds the right instructor for them, mm -hmm. someone that can help nurture all the positive things that martial arts can be, not only the physical skills, but the mental journey that mm -hmm. goes along with martial arts, being the best version of yourself. Yeah. In the episode that I released, actually today as we're sitting down, oh, cool. uh, I talked about how I believe every human being has within them that extra gear that most don't tap into, mm -hmm. simply just because they don't push themselves. They don't find that activity that's going to force them to take yeah, that next yeah. step. The activity that won't force them, yeah, that's what it is. And a lot of people have to be pushed to that limit to make sure that they can extract uh, what they have in their soul. So you're right with that one. That's a good one. Absolutely. And on a personal note, I noticed on uh, a bunch of the instructionals that you put out on social media, the way you reference your students as grasshopper. Mm -hmm. uh, yep. One of my best friends, one of my main training partners, uh, obviously you're referencing the Kung Fu TV show back uh, from way back when. Mm -hmm. uh, when he first started Tiger Shulman's, uh, my friend Sensei Wade Stout, uh, who, who teaches in the Sayas location, uh, all of his cousins would tease him when he first started martial arts mm. and they said you're not even going to be a grasshopper you're going to be the weed hopper so, <laughs> that's <laughs> so, good yeah that's good. and uh, he's been with Tiger Showman's for uh, for almost 30 years actually oh wow and uh, he's that name that nickname has stuck in his family nice. ever since even even his father Still when his father that. calls him <laughs> up hey weed hopper how's it going that's hilarious <laughs> <laughs> so now, what skill sets uh, do you teach in your school in terms of martial arts? I teach boss's number system. And I would say I teach, uh, I say it's boss root and inspired bang Muay Thai because I took his skill set, his, his number system, elaborated off of that. And I'm just using that to help connect with people to extract their potential and help them have a better, better understanding of themselves mentally, spiritually, and physically. So uh, 
what I'm teaching are life lessons as well. That guy right there walking into the dojo right now, uh, I won't say his name, but he's the guy who's got the, which a lot of people who come and train, I'm realizing, have some bumps in their path that they're trying to work through. So what I'm realizing, I thought I was doing was teaching martial arts, but actually what martial arts is the vehicle, and what I'm actually is a psychiatrist or is like a, you know, like a, a physician of some sort to help people become more sane and keep their sanity and live a good life. So I'm still figuring out exactly what it is that I am doing, what I'm utilizing martial arts for. It's, it's the vehicle to uh, hopefully help people live a better life. Absolutely. I always say that a sensei wears many hats mm -hmm. and teacher is the smallest one. Yep. <laughs> it's psychologist, it's a psychiatrist, yep. it's motivator, it's a, a the shoulder to be there mm -hmm. when that person needs you to lean on mm -hmm. and, and uh, it, it's certainly that for everybody who I, again finds the right instructor so I also noticed that you have uh, jujitsu classes going on in yeah. the school as well martial arts every level got to make sure that they are properly trained from the ground up and we do exactly that it, it, that's exactly our philosophy at Tiger Shulman's as well we want a complete skill set we want to make sure our students have the ability to defend themselves mm -hmm. whether they're on the ground or if they're standing up. And yep. I, I think that that's the best way to be as complete in your skills as you mm -hmm. possibly can. Yep. Just like, it would be like an, an instructor who had great physical skills, but no ability to convey his messages verbally. Most fighters. Exactly, mm -hmm. exactly. That's why it's so rare to see a person like yourself who was so successful as a fighter and yet now is a, 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 arguably even better as a coach. Yeah, I, I'd say I'm a better, better instructor than uh, I was a fighter, but uh, it's uh, it's what I'm supposed to be doing, so it's pretty easy. It works yeah. out. Yeah, <laughs> it's been fun. I saw a video on social media you put up a couple of days ago with your son about why you don't mm -hmm. have a pro team mm -hmm. in your school, and uh, it was a touching video of, of you sledding. Uh, I'm going to assume near your house yep. with with your, with your son, and uh, you were asked, "Hey, you know, hey, coach, why or sensei, why is it you don't have a pro team in your school?" And you said, "Because my kids are more important." Yeah gonna invest in the family make sure to take care of them I've missed many birthdays and holidays and events for fights and fight camps and stuff so no more of that I got to make sure that I'm ex in investing into the family and I have memories with the kids which you know I can work with fighters in the future but there's only one time I can work with the kids and that's when they're young so I'm doing exactly that exactly kids are only kids once yep so that brings me a little more to the makeup of your school now, I've actually stopped by once before in the past but you were in the middle of teaching class and so forth that was about a year ago but what I've noticed is even now you have kids classes going on mm -hmm. as we speak so what is the makeup of your school in terms of people who fight and compete versus people who don't 95% of the people don't compete 5% do roughly Mm -hmm. Yeah, I don't. I don't run a, a fight gym. It's a martial art dojo. It's it's an academy. It's it's a gym, academy, or dojo. I say gym you work out at, an academy you learn, and a dojo you find your way. But we're not a, we're not a fight gym, that's for sure. But people do come and train our classes and do our drills and use that same material for their fights, and that material has been proven to be successful. So whether it's someone learning to defend themselves, get in shape, or defend their title or win for win a title it's the same material just depends on how you want to go after it will determine your result mm -hmm. now you mentioned that a very small percentage do compete uh, even those who don't when I say fight mm -hmm. I mean like amateur looking to go professional and mm -hmm. so forth and at Tiger Shulman's we have very similar statistics to you in that less than less than 5% will mm -hmm. ever go on to ever even do an amateur kickboxing bout yeah. but what we do have is we have a decent pro percentage, I'd say somewhere in the 20% region, that compete at much lower level tournaments. Mm, okay, yep. Like, for example, we have a, a, a um, 
Kyoko Shinkai style sparring tournament oh, cool. and grappling tournament that we do every six months. Do you encourage people who don't compete at that um, at that fight quote unquote level to do maybe little grappling tournaments or anything like that? Even uh, like if they want to, I don't. I don't promote it at all. I just promote for them to show up and put in the work and to invest in themselves. So I don't. I don't push the fight aspects at all. But when I give them. The advice on how to do these drills and combinations, it, it is with the intent to compete, so that they are doing it correctly if they were to execute the technique. So, mm -hmm. but I'm not, I don't, uh, yeah, I'm not coaching people. I'm not pushing them, steering them to compete at all. We have sparring classes and stuff, but to step outside of here and go fight, I don't, I don't push that at all because if I were to push that, then then that would make sure that I'd have to be there for them, and that I can't commit to. And for me to do that properly takes a lot more time than I have right now for them. Hmm. So I can say, yeah, you should go fight, and then the next thing you know, they're asking me to watch their <laughs> sparring video and you know corner them, uh, you know, and fighting and going mm -hmm. to another gym to go fight and to, to spar and stuff. And mm -hmm. I just can't do that. So it's a little bit misleading if I do do that. Yeah, I mean, and uh, the unfortunate thing is the uh, the ability to send people to even like very low level tournaments, like in the grappling world, the Nagas of the world mm -hmm. and stuff, which obviously is not a, like a professional fight type tournament. There's only, those only really exist in the grappling aspects. Mm -hmm. You know, the, the best you can kind of hope for, for a striking tournament is a point karate tournament, yep. similar to the Karate Kid <laughs> tournament. Yeah, that was fun. Uh, <laughs> but here in Colorado, there's actually quite a few promotions and there's fights probably every two weeks there's a card going on there's jiu-jitsu competitions all the time which people can go and do those because you don't really need to go go in corner or anything but uh to do have a fight there's fights every two weeks it seems like and they can go and you know pair up together and go corner each other and go do that but again i don't i don't push them to, to compete at all whether it's jiu-jitsu or kickboxing mm -hmm. but if they choose to do that they're always obviously on their own free will to do whatever they want okay. but uh yeah whatever the material but the material here that they train is the same stuff whether they're going to defend themselves or go fight for the UFC title. So it just depends on how they want to go after that. Absolutely. But, uh, let me ask you a question. Kyokushin, do you know what that means? Uh, please enlighten us. The ultimate truth. Mm. Do you, have you ever studied why or any of that, the history of Masuyama and, and his Masuyama's trainer? Yeah, uh, just a, a little bit. Yeah. Who, uh, do you mind if I derail this? No, a go bit? right so, ahead. <laughs> so how, how about, do you know the connection with uh, Masuyama and, uh, and you know his, his instructor? Please, uh, go right no, ahead. I'm, I'm, I'll Gichin, let you run. Gichin Funakoshi. Yes. You know Gichin? Uh, yes. Sir. So Gichin was the guy who was apparently credited for bringing karate from Okinawa to mainland Japan to and uh, to Tokyo, actually. I'm not going to lie. I did a paper on this in, in junior high school. Okay, nice. <laughs> so then, so you understand, you know, he apparently left Okinawa and brought karate to Tokyo. And one of his fighters, one of his trainers, one of his students, I should say, was Masuyama. But Shotokan, you know what Shotokan means? No, please don't. Oh, wow. Me. What kind of paper did you do, Sensei? <laughs> I, I did so, it on, on, on the movement of karate. The movement, okay, okay. So I'm more like on, on the, the the lineage and how it all transformed and came together. I'm really interested on the development of the arts and who did what with, with what. So shoto, shoto means a pine tree. Like, that's a pine tree. It's a, it's a shoto. And Khan, do you know what Khan means? The bad guy from Star Trek? No, Khan. <laughs> so like like, uh, like, uh, like the, the Budokai Khan and... Uh, well, like the, the Shotokan, Kan means building. Mm -hmm. And then you, you say Kai, like a mm -hmm. Kyokushin Kai. Yes. You know what Kai means? Person. Kai means organization. 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 Me. So it would be like, uh, so Shotokan is just the building of their style, but it was called Shotokan because Gichin apparently would walk through a path of pine trees to get to the building that he was teaching out of. So the students actually named it Shotokan, just out of like random coincidence because he walked through a path of pine trees. So Shoto means 
pine and con means the, the, the building. Now, Kyokushin means the ultimate truth. And I was trying to figure out why there was Shotokan and, and Kyokushin and why Masuyama changed it and changed it to the ultimate truth. Well, Gichi Funakoshi was more focused on not actual combat, but the, the forms and the inner development that takes place on your journey of martial arts. But Masuyama wanted to have actual fighting and, and the real contact. So he hence uh, Kyokushin, which means the ultimate truth. But what happens when you actually compete with somebody? When you, you, you express your will and you try to overcome someone. Have you ever fought and competed? Yes. So what do you th think takes place from just doing forms versus competition? What, what happens internally? Well, internally, it's a, it's first off, the, the facing of nerves is mm -hmm. unbelievable. Mm -hmm. that's, that's something that people don't even contribute. They, they have no comprehension. They haven't pursed to that level yet. Exactly. Right? Mm -hmm. they, they have no comprehension of exactly what that feels like. I remember my first amateur kickboxing bout. Uh, I, I remember, you know, pushing myself so hard to train for it, and my sensei was teasing me. Uh, he was like, you know, the one thing the Tiger Showman's fighters are never allowed to do is get tired in the ring. Nice, we I have, like we, that. <laughs> yeah, that's cool. We have to train hard if and every tired in the ring. Mm -hmm. And I remember him asking me in between rounds if I felt tired. And I thought I did, but really what I was feeling was nervous. Mm, 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 yeah, mm. Because I went and I was continuing to throw and knock the guy's head back nice, for, yeah, for the next several rounds. Good. But uh, it, uh, that's the first thing that happens is that, that huge adrenaline dump. Is there any way to, re to react that situation without fighting, you think? I, I don't think that you can. I don't think so either. I, I, think, I think the most realistic way to practice is to get to the point where eventually you spar. Mm -hmm. At Tiger Showman's, and I, I see this from your classes as well, we don't believe in in having people spar right away. I see schools no, that yeah, do you that. Build them up. Exactly. You have to build a foundation first. Uh, we're actually here with my young nephew, and he's watching the class, and he, you know he's a little bit of a tough guy at his 15-year-old age. Mm -hmm. And he's like, so when are they going to start fighting? I was like, no, Nicholas, <laughs> this is a beginner class, man. You got you to gotta learn to walk before you run. Yep. And, you know, Katas have had their place, mm -hmm. but I think doing things in a more modern way and things that weren't designed when you were going to fight somebody while wearing armor mm -hmm. and they were attacking you from horseback is mm -hmm. a lot more practical. Yep, yep, indeed. I was uh, really curious on why it was called Shotokan and then Kyokushin, I mean the ultimate truth, but then when you look at the karate tournaments, there are two huge things that, well, there's actually three huge things that weren't being implemented. One, no face punching, mm -hmm. no actual grappling. And then no, actually, so no face punching, no clinch work, and then no actual grappling, right? Mm. So I was like, how can you call it the ultimate truth? Then? Yeah. But what I'm assuming is, since Shotokan, there was no competition as far as physical competition against another human being, but Kyokushin really pressed that for them to compete. But then when you compete, what happens then is you learn a lot about yourself. So then Absolutely. there becomes the ultimate truth of oneself, exactly. rather than the whole un, uh, mixed martial art rule set skill set. So. That's what I'm assuming is the path of the names and so on because when you actually compete and have your will to try to overcome someone else's will, then you truly understand about yourself, meaning, again, the ultimate truth. Not so much the ultimate truth as far as this style is impeccable and can save you and help you in any fighting situation. I don't think that was the understanding as much as it was that the one you learned more about yourself. But I just want to talk about that because you uh, mentioned a couple things while we are talking that alluded me to that <laughs> the, with the names and so on so like a uh, kyokushin uh, kaikon have you heard Kyok or, or sato kaikon have you heard of sato i have no sato oh wow so sato so we go from all right so we're flipping the script on this podcast my fault baby i'm, no, I'm, over, I'm good with so it so sato sato means so sato kaikon uh, was the start of k1 kickboxing because there was the kyokushin karate which was no face punching but what the next evolution from that was boxing gloves and then k1 japanese kickboxing so 
that became Sado. Sado means new path. And Do is way. Se means a new path or road. So Sado, Kaikon, Kaya's organization of the building. So Sado Kaikon was just the building of like the first kickboxing style is what it was, which came from, uh, 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 how am I drawing a blank on that? Kenji Kurosaka. Kenji okay. Kurosaka is the guy who's credited for, hence, combining Japanese kickboxing. He's basically the guy that said, you know, why aren't we throwing hands with our, with our kicks? So he implemented, actually, the start of Japanese kickboxing, which morphed into Dutch kickboxing, which is now here in the U.S. But as far as the Gishu Funakoshi with the uh, Shotokan, the Kyokushin, the Sado Kaikan, or the Sado, to Japanese kickboxing, to Dutch kickboxing, to what we have now. So there's the whole path of evolution back to where we are now so it's just kind of cool for me to see those things and i would like to do an actual documentary on that path that would development be exactly. yeah so anyway sorry not to hijack <laughs> the hijack uh, the I, podcast but i always love to pick another martial artist mm -hmm. brain especially one who's, who's put as much time and effort of their life into training mm -hmm. like you have i'll show you some some drawings inside the dojo that uh our timelines of the instructors who got us to this point, which is really cool in my eyes. That, see, we have a very similar thing at the Tiger Shulman's headquarters mm. where we literally have the tree. Nice, um, yep. And it starts with Mas Oyama and it continues through Shinru Oyama, who was a Tiger's instructor, to, to, to Tiger, and then to the first instructors he taught and then the instructors they taught, nice. and so on and so on. It's a beautiful mural at our headquarters. It's, Hell yeah. It's, yeah. it's really, really cool to see the lineage that way. The lineage, indeed. And that's the, that's the coolest thing about any school that really grows, like yours or like Tiger Shulman's, where you can trace the lines mm -hmm. back and you can see, okay, this is not something that just... This isn't an LA kickbox or a, um, a CKO kickboxing where mm -hmm. somebody, you know, took a weekend course on how to teach mm -hmm. kickboxing classes. Mm -hmm. There's thought, there's organization. Legitimate lifelong martial artists that are continuing, again, the lineage to get to this point. Exactly. That's super cool. So yeah. now, why are most of your, why do most of your students walk in the door the first time? Uh, I think it would be because they see me as a, hopefully, I'm assuming anyway, hopefully, a high level martial art instructor and they want to have the instruction at the highest level within their radius you know so most people drive seven to ten miles to train at a martial arts school so i think i'm within their seven to ten miles and the best at it uh, that's that's hard to not just here either <laughs> but the world like I, I this is what i've dedicated my life to do like i'm good at what i do i won't say i'm a master but if there's a level of it i'm i'm touching it that's for sure like this is what i do you know, and that's that's when someone commits their whole life to mm -hmm. anything. I think that it's gonna, they're going to be wonderful at it. You see it in musicians, and you see it in artists, and in martial artists, it's no different. Now, I, I firmly believe that martial arts is something that is for everyone. Mm. Like I know I've taught children who are on the autism spectrum. Oh, cool. I've taught adults who are in their sixties with double knee replacements. And uh, it seems to me that you have a diverse student body here. Mm -hmm. It doesn't look like you only have people who are in amazing shape like Coach Nick over there who mm -hmm. introduced himself to me. So do you, do you agree with that statement that martial yeah. arts is something it is for It is for everybody. For up to a certain degree and level, it depends on how they are, are using it, right? Like the ladies right there in front of the dojo, they just did a bad class, but they're still doing the same combinations that I used when I fought and the Sensei Basri used when he fought, same combos that TJ used when he fought, or he fights, I should say. So... Yeah, it's definitely for everybody, just like for the kids as well. So the kids, male, female, young to old, it's for everybody because it just depends on what's their intent and their heart, why they're why they here training. Again, these ladies are here for fitness. We have the kids, they're there because the parents told them to be there and they want to be Ninja Turtles, you know? <laughs> and then uh, some people want to fight. So it definitely, martial arts has a piece to connect with everybody for sure. Absolutely. And the beautiful thing about it is from watching your classes and so forth, they're not throwing 
aimless punches and mm. kicks at a bag. There's purpose like, to this. Exactly. There's purpose and there's technique behind it. You're not just show, saying, okay, throw your left hand, throw your right hand. Mm -hmm. They're being taught what to do. Very similar to our beginner classes at, at Tiger Shulman's. It's, a, a, again, a bag training class, all offense, teaching actually what to do. Mm -hmm. So even if the person ever, even if they never intended to defend themselves, they're still learning the skills the right way to be yep. able to defend themselves. That's us doing our job properly. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Building people up slowly yep. but surely. Meeting them at their level and build them up. Exactly. A, a wise man once told me that martial arts attracts everybody, but it's martial artists that can turn people off of nice. martial arts. Yeah. So uh, if you had to caution somebody, because obviously I'm out here right now in, in Colorado, very far away from home in New York and very from, far from any of the Tiger Shulman schools. And uh, the cool thing about this whole podcast thing is I have downloads in California while I'm sitting on Long Island, New York. So what would you caution uh, people when they're going into a martial arts school, things that, that might stick out as a red flag that, okay, this may not be a, a great place for you to train. Well, it depends on what their purpose is while they're stepping in there. Is it for them to actually just to get in shape, to rank up in an art, or to fight, compete? It just depends on what their purpose is while they're stepping in there. Um, I would say that they should not, like what you mentioned earlier, shouldn't be sparring until they've been built up and put in, it depends what their skill set is initially, but I wouldn't have my guys spar for the first three months. I'd make sure that they're built up properly and that's just a broad number depending on where they're at when they step through the door, but now when you, you could tell like the general, the, the, the genuine concerns from an instructor or someone who's just a little bit uh, thinking they're ahead of the game and just trying to show off. So if they're genuinely there to help them get better, they should have that. So here it is, your tribe, your vibe attracts your tribe. Right, so just make sure this instructor's not a douchebag. And make sure he's there to actually do his job and, and be a, a caring, passionate instructor, and make sure he's trying to help instill martial arts in you and not just be an Exactly, because martial arts is selfless when you're an instructor. Be. When you're an instructor, you're selfless. Yeah, but that's, yeah. So go ahead, if you can answer that question. I'd like to hear the, the answer from you on that one. What would you like to see from an instructor? See, I like to see structure. If yeah. I see structure behind what I do, you know, years and years ago, when uh, my 15-year-old nephew was four or five years old, my sister-in-law had him in, in a little school, and she told me about the classes, and she told me what she was paying for them, and she asked if I thought it was a good price. I mm -hmm. said, tell me about the class. Nice, there we I go. said that, yeah. I'm like, I, the price is, is irrelevant. Yeah. Tell me what, what you're paying for, mm -hmm. what, what, what are you paying for? And she described, it, at the time he was a preschooler. So the preschool class, it was like, you know, basic tumbling and there was no real structure behind it. And apparently the last 10 or 15 minutes of the class involved the kids chasing the instructor around the mat. And I was like, Danielle, if they were giving that to you for free, you're paying too much for it. <laughs> <laughs> there, there's nothing, there's no structure behind it that's going to get your son anything truly mm, out of it. Mm, mm. There has to be structure. Yeah, there has to be key. Exactly. Like there has to be discipline about what's done. Mm -hmm. There has to be... Uh, another very wise man, another Tiger Showman's instructor said this to me uh, one, when he's talking about what he does in his class. He goes, I feel this way, that if somebody's uncle from across the country came and visited and watched class and asked me, why are you doing that specific mm -hmm. thing? Mm -hmm. If you can't justify that, with an answer that is either going to be to build their character or to build their self-defense skills, then there's no purpose in doing it. If it can't be justified where it's not making them better, then there's no purpose in doing it. If it's just fun or frou-frou, it's not enough to, it doesn't have a place in mm. that class. Mm. 
that's always what I look for. I like that. I like that. So maybe if the, in the class, so sometimes we'll have the kids run around and trace each other, but that's building the culture, though, as well, right? Mm-hmm. So there's many levels to, to the game. But if it's that all the time, there's no purpose behind it, then, yeah, they're wasting their time and their money for sure. Exactly. See, And, and the culture in a school is another huge yep. thing that you brought up. And, um, you know, in, in other episodes, you're, you're the first non-student of mine that I've interviewed, to be honest. And um, every one of my students has commented on how the school feels like home mm, and sure. they're, they're the people that they train with are their extended family. Yep. And that's always the way it is because people that you sweat with people that you train with people that you find that extra gear that I mentioned earlier, people you find that with, there's a connection unlike mm-hmm. any other, mm-hmm. you know, like it, more so, layers to the truth. Exactly. More layers to the truth. So I'm, I'm going to borrow a, a quote from Joe Rogan as we get ready to finish out here. Uh, and it, it's that martial arts is the greatest uh, oh, now I'm losing it. It's the greatest vehicle for car- for uh, hu- the development of human potential. I like that. I like that. Yeah, and uh, I've, it certainly seems like martial arts has helped you develop your human potential. Yeah, for sure. Uh, aside from obvious, the, the obvious success of uh, your, your people you've trained and the obvious success of yourself, uh, what would you say is prob- is the single most important thing you've gained from martial arts? Understanding of oneself. Again, the, the truth aspect. But uh, confidence... I think confidence would be a good one because we all have fears. A lot of people are, are fearful of a lot of things. And going through my my resume, and what I've done, and sometimes I watch my old highlights, I'm like yeah, I used to be pretty good, <laughs> you know. So it's definitely brought me confidence, and to know that I can protect myself and those around me, and then also teach and share it and give that to somebody else to help them learn and grow as well. So it's given me confidence in myself and to help others also. So I'm I've been blessed. I'd say uh, the second fastest knockout in UFC history. Fastest knockout for 13 years. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Recently, recently unseated. Recently unseated. all you sucker. That's <laughs> all right. It was. It was a. It, it was sweet. It was. It was really sweet. It was really mm-hmm. sweet. And now, uh, you know, at Tiger Showman, we hold a little bit of a grudge against Ben Askren because he did dethrone uh, one of our fighters, Lyman Good, as the first ever Bellator oh. welterweight champion. Okay. So uh, we we all, we all were a little happy to see ben, ben, yeah. ben get a little shot, but that works. You know. Not that uh, we ever wish ill will on anybody, but yeah. we were all happy to see him lose. <laughs> so, uh, if you want to let anybody know how to find you on social media or so forth, this social is your media. time, Sensei. At Bang Muay Thai is my Instagram, and I think my Twitter is Dwayne Bang Com still. Uh, but whatever, or you can come to Ludwig Martial Arts in, in Colorado. Uh, one more thing though, Lao Tzu said, I just shared a, a quote on uh, one of his little memes. Well, he didn't make any memes, right? so I made a meme of one of his quotes, Blauzu, who was around 400 BCE, so 400 years before Christ. And they said the, the successful fighter is never angry, but then Mike Tyson says he was angry as could be. So I think there's a clash of uh, things right there. But uh, I think anger can be used in your favor as long as it is controlled just like a fire. It can burn down your house or cook your meal. So... Having the anger to ignite your spark to execute your techniques if they're trained properly because Mike Tyson with his trainer Customado strived for protect for perfection. So if you're gonna have that anger make you drop your chin, you know, drop your hands, lift up your chin, and start throwing hooks, that's not good. But if the anger helps you perform in the technical aspect you're supposed to for per situation, then you should be better off. But I just want to touch base on that because there's a clash of two things. Tyson, one of the most feared fighters ever, said he was angry as could be. But then Lao Tzu says the most successful fighter is never angry. But those two things clash. 
but I think anger can be used for you as long as it's controlled. And so I, I'll leave that out there. I think but. you hit the nail on the head. It was the trainer that, mm -hmm. that, that funneled the heat from that Tyson yeah. fire into the perfect direction is what made him so effective. Hell yeah. So Almost. with that be <laughs> exactly. With that being said, uh, thank you again. Sounds thank like you. This thank means you. the world to me. You're awesome. Thank you, uh, sir. Appreciate you uh, coming out, Ninja. Of course. And thank you very much for yes, your sir. time. Uh, again, thank you, everybody, for listening. I can be found. Uh, you can contact me via email at senseileonelli at gmail. Uh, on Twitter and Instagram, I'm at sensei underscore Leonelli. You can find my school online t at TSK, excuse me, tskSmithtown.com. On Instagram and Twitter, at TSMMA underscore Smithtown. And on Facebook, we are at facebook.com slash Tiger Smithtown. With that being said, thank you for listening, everybody. And until next time, I'll see you on the mat.